This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. The scripture that was read came from Matthew's Gospel, the 21st chapter and the 18th to the 22nd verses. I just want to lift up verse 19, which reads, Seeing a lone fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it except leaves only. Jump with me to Luke's Gospel, the 13th chapter, and the 6th through the 9th verse, which reads as follows. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Jump again with me to the book of Hosea, the ninth chapter and the tenth verse, where it reads, I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your forefathers as the earliest fruit on the fig tree in its first season. But they came to Baal Peor and devoted themselves to shame, and they became as detestable as that which they loved. Back in 2016, I had the privilege to attend a conference hosted by the Young Adult Missionary Society, which had as its theme, Great Expectations. There were several workshops that were designed to explore what it meant to have great expectations in various areas of our lives. And I remember reflecting on this idea of great expectations to the point that it occurred to me that a major problem that's facing the church and many churches and communities is the fact that we are encumbered by too many of us having, what, low expectations. For too long, our society has beaten us down to the point that we do not really believe that we are deserving of anything of value anymore in our lives. We need not look any further than how this president and this government has low expectations of Congress. That if he wants, if they want anything done, they have to do it by executive order. You see, the president has low expectations of Congress and even the Supreme Court. The Congress and the Supreme Court has low expectations of the federal government. The federal government has low expectations of state governments. State governments have low expectations of the church. The church has low expectations of bishops and clergy. Bishops and clergy have low expectations of teachers and parishioners. Teachers and parishioners have low expectations of parents. Parents have low low expectations of children, and dare I say children, have no expectations at all. 
There is pervasive throughout all areas of our society a spirit of, of either low or no expectations. And sad to say, it has been this way now for so long that we have become accustomed to it. Now I can go on and on and talk about how society has low expectations of everyone, but the real question that I must ask has to be directed to you, and it's simply, it is simply this. What are your expectations? What is it that you are looking for to happen in your life? When you log off or when you leave this sanctuary and you go home, what is it that you are expecting to find? When you go to work tomorrow, what do you expect to see happen? Are there things that you are doing or putting in place right now that would positively improve your situations? Who knows? For the truth is, continuing to do what you have always done will guarantee that when you, when you come to the place of expectations, then you will find what you have always found. What are your expectations? And what do you expect to find when you get wherever it is you are going in life. Now, this question is designed to be introspective, meaning it gives you the opportunity to take a really hard look at yourself and for you to do this in your own private time. But for our message today, I want to flip the script a little bit, and I want to ask the question in a different way. If Jesus were to roll upon you today, what could he expect to find? If Jesus were to roll upon you today, wherever you are, what could he expect to find? It is in this context that I want to spend some time with our focus scripture, and as such, I've titled this sermon quite simply, The Fruitful Fig Tree. The Fruitful Fig Tree. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, every tree that you have created was designed to bear some kind of fruit. We, as your children, are known by our fruits. And so, Father, today, our prayer is, Lord, as we wrestle with the text, wrestle with the scriptures, and wrestle with your spirit, help us, O oh God, to have great expectations, not just of you, but great expectations of ourselves. That when you come into our presence, when you, Lord, roll up on us, what you expect to find will be what you have found. This, O oh God, is our prayer. May it be as we have asked in Jesus' name. And the church all over the world, we say, amen. amen. At that same conference uh, that I mentioned earlier, Bishop Ingram shared a story that I've shared before, but it bears repeating in the context of this message. He shared a story about a woman that came from a very, very poor background, and she was serving as a cleaner in someone's home, the home of a very affluent family. The young girl was very attractive, and she was a very hard and a diligent 
worker. She was meticulous in her daily task and operated with such excellence that her value could not be challenged or even underestimated. In other words, this beautiful young girl, she had a lot going for her in terms of how she functioned and managed her day-to-day -day activities. But despite all of these admirable qualities, it was quite noticeable that she was extremely quiet. She didn't say much. She didn't speak so much as a word so that the homeowner thought that she might have been a little hearing impaired or that something was wrong with her or she had some kind of disability. So on one occasion, he approached her and he said, you know, you do really good work and I am happy that you are here. No response from the young lady. He said to her, I really appreciate your work ethic. You talking to me? Came her reply. Surprised that she even responded, the homeowner then said to her, yes, I am talking to you. Again, she replied, you talking to me? Yes, I am talking to you. I really like the quality of the work that you do. You talking to me? At this point, he's getting a little exasperated. Yes, I am talking to you. What is wrong with you? Yes, I am talking to you. She says, you talking to me? Why are you talking to me? Nobody talks to me. What do you mean nobody talks to you? You are a very attractive, hardworking young woman. You, you've got a lot of skills. You've got a lot of great qualities. What do you mean nobody talks to you? Came her reply again. You talking to me? How sad is it? that we can become so beaten down by life's challenges and circumstances that our expectations of ourselves are so low to the point that even despite our natural talents, skills, gifts, and abilities, we become a disappointment to those who have high expectations of us. Our community is plagued with so many people that are so downtrodden, disenfranchised, despondent, discouraged, disillusioned, distraught, and are in such utter despair that when we come up to them, we are further disappointed by them for them having fulfilled their own low levels of expectations of themselves. If Jesus were to roll up on any of you or any of us today, what do we or what should he expect to find? Is our response to Jesus going to be, you talking to me? Am I so caught up in my despair and my disappointment in my life and in myself that I don't even think I'm worthy enough to have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to even address me as if I was even worth it? You talking to me? Is it defeat? Is it despair? Is it doom and gloom? Is it You put any, any words to it that you like. At the end of the day, too many of us, particularly in the household of faith and in the Christian community, have gotten to the place where we think that we, have, we are undeserving of any good thing, even if it comes from the master himself. What are your expectations? And when Jesus rolls up on you, what could he expect to find? You talking to me? In our text that was read, and in all the texts that I read at the beginning of this message, there is this sense that God is seeking to find something when he comes to you. 
In all of those texts, it says, he came and found. He went to look. He found. That's what it says in all the texts. He came and found. He went to look. He found. Jesus, whenever he goes somewhere, Jesus has great expectations of something that he intends to find. Why? He is the creator of the universe. And God does not make a mistake. And if God made you, guess what? He has great expectations of you. The problem is not God. The problem is your expectations of yourself. Our text has recorded in Matthew picks up after our Lord had made his triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem. After he had cleansed the temple and after he left to spend the evening nearby in nearby Bethany. Here's what it says. Let me read it again because I want you to see the context. Matthew 21, 18 through 22. Now in the morning when he was returning to the city, he became hungry. Jesus became hungry. He had an expectation that needed to be met. Seeing a lone fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it except leaves. He said to it, no longer shall there be any fruit from you. And at once the fig tree withered. There's a very interesting factoid when you take a holistic look at Jesus' earthly ministry from start to finish. At the beginning of our Lord's earthly ministry, he came to Jerusalem. At the beginning, he came to Jerusalem, entered into the temple on Passover. It was then that he cleansed the temple for the first time. Of those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers, they were all doing business there. Jesus drove them out and he said, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of stuff and merchandise. That's what he said. And now near the very end of his ministry, just before the Passover, three years later, he rides into Jerusalem in triumph on the foal of a donkey. And entering it, he once again comes to the temple and cleanses it. He again drove out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those selling doves. And this is what he said. It is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Let that sink in for a moment. He cleansed the temple at the beginning of his earthly ministry on Passover. Then he cleansed it again at the end of his ministry on Passover three years later. With that in mind, I think it's very significant that Jesus spoke this parable then to the Jewish people. Here's what he said. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, look, for three years... I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? Do you see the parallel? The king had already once come to his temple and he found that he had to clean it. He came again three years later to his temple looking for fruit on his fig tree, but he still found none. He came expecting faith in himself, and instead he was greeted by the religious leaders with opposition and unbelief. And the time of patience 
was coming to an end. The persistently barren fig tree is about to be cut down. I don't know what you're hearing in your spirits, but what I'm telling you, Jesus is coming and he has expectations of not just you, but he has expectations of the church. And he's given you more than three years. He's giving you a lot of time. He came once. He cleansed you from all unrighteousness. He's coming again. What will he find? As you all know by now, the Bible speaks to us literally, figuratively, and symbolically. I've shared that with you very, much, very often. The, the, the unfruitful fig tree is a picture of Israel. It, it, in its context, you see, what you got to understand is immediately following the cleansing of the temple, the withering of the fig tree serves as an enacted parable of judgment upon unfruitful Israel. That's the point. The unfruitfulness of Israel has brought upon that nation its own judgment. And only when you understand it in this context does the destruction of the temple make any sense at all. So Jesus comes up to the fig tree of Israel. He saw leaves on the tree that gave it an appearance of being lush and luxuriant. But in reality... It produced no fruit. It was to wither away with its fruitlessness exposed. Like the legalistic and outward righteousness of the Jewish leaders, the hypocritical fig tree produced only outward appearances as opposed to fruit. Now, to really understand the Lord's cursing of this fig tree, you have to look at the same story, how it appears in the other gospel records. Look, in Mark, the 11th chapter, verse 12 through 14, we find, On the next day, when he had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. Now, to me, church, and I want you to stay with me here. This is pretty strange to me when you consider the problem where, the, where it says, for it was not the season for figs. If it was not the season for figs, why then, Jesus, would you curse the fig tree? If it was not the season for figs, why curse the tree? Well... The explanation lies in the simple fact that the fruit of fig trees always appears before the leaves. The fruit of fig trees always appears before the leaves. And so if the tree that he saw far away had leaves on it, then it ought to have fruit. It ought to have had fruit because otherwise it would be a tree pretending as if it was fruitful. Meanwhile, it was a barren and unfruitful fig tree. This tree, so to speak, are, represents all the people who vaunt themselves to be in advance of other trees. And, they, and the challenge is that they, 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 would, they, would, they would parade around as if they've got a lot of fruit. 
like they've got a lot of good things going on in their life. Meanwhile, all they're doing is putting up airs. You know, it's, it's and, I, and, and I dare say, it's people who dress nicely, but don't live anywhere. Drive fancy cars, but don't have a home. What I'm saying to you is, I'm not casting aspersion on those who have challenges. What I'm saying to you is, I'm talking about the pretense. The pretending as if everything is going well, you've got a lot of leaves on your trees. But you ain't got nothing to show for it. Jesus did not curse the fig tree because it did not provide food for his hunger, but because it had leaves and no fruit. This was an exceptional fig tree that produced leaves early, but no fruit. The fig tree, again, like I said, is symbolic of Israel who had privilege of early leaves, but bore no fruit. The Lord was entering Jerusalem for his final overt rejection by Israel. This rejection was not due to him not providing adequate proof of who he was, but because of their lack of faith. Jesus, as he walked, Jesus, as he talked, Jesus bore fruit everywhere that he went. He healed those who were sick. He opened blind eyes. He raised people from the dead. Jesus was bearing a lot of fruit. He was not showing you a whole lot of leaves. He was showing you fruit. And then he showed you his leaves. But many of us, we have things backwards. We want to go around pretending as if we've got all things together, that we do all of it. We are so wonderful. We can put on fancy robes in pulpit. We can put on collars. We can do all of that. But meanwhile, we've got nothing, nothing to show for what it is we are supposed to produce. So the withering of the fig tree symbolically is, is, is an apocalyptic word of judgment for the future destruction of Jerusalem and its temple. That's what the text really kind of means. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the fruitful fig tree. We understand the unfruitful fig tree. We understand that it's about pretending. We understand that it's hypocrisy. We get all of that. But what can you tell us, Pastor, about the fruitful fig tree? Yeah, yeah. You see, the fig tree is distinguished from other trees in Palestine such as the olive or any of these trees which cast their leaves off and then they end up looking bare and spiky, which gives it the appearance of being utterly dead. You see, what happens is, what you need to, <laughs> this is so amazing to think about. The fruitful fig tree, before it bears any fruit, it sheds all of its leaves. So when you look at the fruitful fig tree, it looks as if it were dead. It looks dead. But then something happens. You see, when the people of Israel would look at the fruitful fig tree, they would then start to see early figs budding on the tree. They looked at it warm-heartedly as a sign that springtime had come. The tree is starting to bud. And it's not surprising when the Bible uses the fruit of the fig tree as a symbol of Israel. Look what it says in Hosea. It says, I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your fathers as the first fruits on the fig tree in its season. You see, the great role of this is that, you see, when, when, when the Jewish people knew that Messiah was going to come, they would see first the buds. And you know that springtime is coming. You're not looking at a tree that is fluffy with leaves. You're looking at a dead tree yeah. that is starting to 
produce some buds. This deadish looking fig tree is clothed with green young shoots that lets you know winter is over. The summer is at a threshold. Those destined for salvation is gonna experience new life. New life is now coming. The winter is past. It says the hour has come, but now is when the true worshipers shall worship in spirit and in truth. They shall bear fruit. My brothers and sisters, the day of salvation is here. So, So the fruitful fig tree, it is designed to direct the mind of the disciples, not towards the horrors or the end of this age or the worry of COVID, but towards the sign and the time of salvation. That's the message for the disciples and the message for the church today. You see, there are two lessons. <laughs> two lessons our Lord would have us learn from the fig tree. First, the unfruitful fig tree that is covered with leaves but is barren teaches us that barrenness of just mere religion, going through the motions, the outside pretenses, but you have on the inside unbelief in Jesus. It is a hypocritical posture which is focused on outward appearance and pretense and such unbelief, brothers and sisters, Jesus will always curse. But second, the fruitful fig tree appears to be dead, but it's lowly in its appearance and allows you to see the hope of the promise of a life that is going to come in spite of and without all the leafy fluff. The promise of the Savior to the disciples teaches us that the real fruitfulness is a product of genuine living, personal dependency upon Jesus Christ in faith. And such faith alone brings glory to the Father. So what does the Lord expect of us? You went through all of that, Pastor, to tell us, what does the Lord expect of us? Well, when Jesus rolls upon you, what does he expect to find? Are you like the unfruitful fig tree majoring in the minors but showing a lot of religiosity? Are you more focused on looking good for others than actually being good to others? Whenever we place our religious rituals and practices over people at the expense of our relationships, we will always, brothers and sisters, miss God. Always miss God. Or if Jesus rolls up on you, will he find the fruitful fig tree? The, 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 the kind of tree that allows your light to so shine that others may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Where, where though you may appear broken, dead, without all the trimmings, all the fancy stuff, you appear discouraged at times, but you still hold on to God's unchanging hand. And as such, people see your faith and wonder, how is it that you could still praise a God when you seem to be really, really in dire straits? How can you keep worshiping God when your health is failing? You, you look like a dead fig tree. How can you keep worshiping God when you have lost your employment? You look like a dead fig tree. How can you keep worshiping and praising God when it seems like everything around you has fallen apart? You, you look like a dead fig tree. But when Jesus rolls upon you, 
He doesn't see the dead fig tree. He doesn't, of course, he doesn't even see the fluffy stuff. Because you've got no room in your life right now for any fluffy stuff. But what he sees is your faith. That you still hold on to God. And you holding on to your faith and you holding on to God is the same thing as a dead looking tree with its bud waiting for its season to bear fruit in its due season. This is what Jesus expects to find. Not that you are fluffy and you've got it all together, but that even in your dead looking state, in your dead brokenness, you can still produce a fruit that allows Jesus when he is hungry to come and to find food. That's the idea of the fruitful fig tree. And brothers and sisters, I'm not mincing my words. Make no mistake about it. You are one of them. So when Jesus rolls upon you, what does he expect to find? Will he find you as the fruitful fig tree with faith in Jesus? What? You talking to me? Yes. And because of Jesus, you are the apple of God's eye. You talking to me? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> You're not talking to me. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Yes, you talking to me? Because nobody talks to me. Well, Jesus says, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You talking to me? Yes. I am talking to you. I'm talking to you because of Jesus. And I, like Jesus, have great expectations that you will bear much fruit both now and forevermore. You may be feeling like the dead-looking fig tree on the side of the road. But how wonderful is our Lord that no matter how dead you may look in your trespasses and sins, he comes that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And so, yes, he's talking to you. May God richly, richly bless you, my beloved.